Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit, P-O-D-Cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. If this is coming in too loud, do not adjust your microphones. This is just the energy we start with and then rapidly dries off because that's just what happened. Happy Father's Day, by the way. Uh, probably coming out late by the time you hear it since it'll be out on a Monday, maybe on Friday, uh, Father's Day night. Who knows? Um, all I know is that you're... <laughs> oh, man. Happy, just happy Father's Day. We'll get, we'll get into that a little later, I think, uh, and how people are whining over this holiday way too much, and y'all need to toughen up. I am Christopher Fett, the adequate host at Christopher Fett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. Let's get the rest of the crew in here before I start veering completely off topic again. Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online. How you doing, Jeremy? I am doing great. Ready to go for this podcast, even though... I'm facing a month and a half of absolutely nothing to write about or talk about. Well, we could write about silly things. Okay, go for it. Okay. Ryan Matthews. Back is the rock guy. At Ryan underscore P-O-D has been desperately trying to get some bread ready for this podcast. I'm so hungry. I played so much basketball today. Can we talk about you and, uh, do you, you know, you don't play anymore with Dave Burkett, but there was a phase in your life where we had something called Burkett ball. Well, you know, I don't want to ring the alarm for myself, but I did play some basketball with Dave Burkett back in the day, and uh, he's a much better basketball player than you would ever imagine. Interesting. Backhanded compliment. Love it. Well, I mean, if you, if, if you would see somebody like Michael Rothstein, you know, you would just assume that, like, wow, beat writers can't be athletic. But they can be. They can also sit up straight. No? Okay. A little decorum, please. <laughs> As I said, it is Father's Day. We are recording. And this is the only podcast on Earth or radio show. And any, any form of sports talk where you will not hear male hosts griping and grousing about this holiday. Maybe just because I've been doing a lot of radio this weekend. But it feels like every show I've been on. There has been some hosts out there who are like, why, why do we get no respect on Father's Day? Why is this a low, a low holiday compared to Mother's Day? Why is, why is it that I have to grill on Father's Day, whereas you take the mother out to, out to brunch? You know what I have to say to all that? Suck it up. Snowflakes. Whiny little men out there. Snowflakes. Now that we've driven away everyone, let's talk about the Detroit Lions. You like that transition? 
I liked it without the first half. (laughs) So without a transition, completely. Michael Roberts got traded, then he didn't. Did you guys hear? Yeah, I I can barely hear you as you move away from the microphone as I have to do this producer role coast-to-coast here all the time and tell people proper decorum about their microphones. Yes, I did. I'm I'm saucy today. Michael Roberts got traded, everybody. That's even worse. Thank you for completely. We just put out the promos for this show. So I'm glad that if you followed our hilarious promos, which may or may not get run by SB Nation, and you came to this podcast, you are suddenly hearing this beautiful audio quality. And I hope you're hitting download on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. I really hope you are. You, I, uh, work. I like legitimately, I feel like we should probably start this over. Legitimately? Yeah, like, I no. feel like this is not good. <laughs> well, you know what? That's, a, that's about as on brand as we can ask for, right? Okay, yeah, I guess you're right. Pretty adequate. Incredibly adequate. Let's talk about Michael Roberts. So, Michael Roberts was looking to be traded to the New England Patriots. Michael Roberts at the University of Toledo. Uh, Toledo boy. And did uh, can I even say bit player for the Detroit Lions, Jeremy? Uh, like, I feel like we had one the Michael Roberts game in 2018, and then that was it. Yeah, pretty much. There, there was the Dolphins game. We, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. He we had the, the, the almost go-ahead touchdown against the 49ers. But this, this year was looking like it was going to be his last chance with the Lions. You know, third year, this is a year that a lot of people take a big step. We know that the Lions obviously invested highly in TJ Hawkinson and Jesse James, but that third tight end spot, which might be a significant one this year, was still up for grabs in our mind, but it's very clear that the Lions did not want him on the team, so he won't be getting that third-year chance here. Um, we'll have to wait and see where he does get to see get, get another chance. So what happened here? So, like, uh, they tried to trade him to the Patriots, and he failed a physical over yep. there. So somehow the Patriots, their physical is... I, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure what all happened there, but yeah. So, what's what's the what's what's the deal with Roberts right now? The Lions, if I recall, have released him now. Yep, they waived him technically, um, and because their doctors um, have cleared him, they didn't waive him with a, an injury de- designation. They don't give him any sort of, uh, you know, injury settlement. He doesn't revert to IR. None of that. He's just on waivers. So now, any team that wants to put a, in a claim for him. Um, Waiver priority right now is the same as the draft order. So Arizona Cardinals get the first crack at him. If the Patriots somehow want him back, even though their their doctors already said he can't play, so obviously they're not. But if for some reason, let's say he the, the trade fell through for different reasons, if the Patriots wanted him, they'd have 30-second priority. So if no one in front of them put in a waiver claim, they could get him. Lions essentially are getting nothing for him. Um, they weren't getting much for him anyways with the agreed trade. It was a conditional seventh-round pick next year. Um, but it's just kind of a sad end to the Michael Roberts era. Um, the, the, the interesting thing to me is the day that it happened, that, that the trade was announced, Patricia went into his press conference saying, you know, um, we, we like our competition there. And then when you get an opportunity to get something for a player like Mike, Michael Roberts, you go and get it. And, and the, the Lions ended up getting him back. And instead of carrying 90 players on the roster into the last day of OTA, the Lions are like, nah. We're good. You, if we don't, we don't want him. So it was. It was never really about 
getting something in return for Michael Roberts. They were just done with Michael Roberts. I uh, I don't have anything else to add to the story. It was just weird. It was just <clears throat> weird to see the bounce back. And uh, we don't really have much else to talk about from this week. I know OTAs well, were there, and Jeremy, you're hard up about this. And I don't know. It, it, it's a little weird for me to just be like, all right, Michael Roberts, we just, we just don't even want you around at this point. Um, they're they're going to be reps to be had. And, and the fact that the Lions are fine, just 89 on the roster instead of 90, um, even when Michael Roberts, the, the trade bounces back. Just like, nah, we're done. We, we've seen enough. Especially for a guy that the Lions literally just drafted a year ago. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, two years ago. Yeah. But I mean, I mean like the, the hand wringing over Michael Roberts, I think is kind of warranted, right? I mean, I don't want to get in the whole, you know, uh, the lions could have had George Kittle instead of Michael Roberts. And, you know, they ended up choosing Roberts every, I think a lot of people were really happy with the Roberts pick at the time. Oh, absolutely. It was a neat pick. And honestly, like these guys are just going to be crapshoots either way. Like, I mean, fourth round, you're hoping the guy stays around for more than two years. Right. I mean, you're hoping, but it's not a guarantee. Of course, it's not a guarantee. But I would say, I would say at least you want this guy to be a special teams contributor by now, and at least make it to the end of your contract. I would, I would say, maybe not the majority. Actually, no, I would say the majority of of fourth round picks at least make it to year three. And Mm so this this definitely has to go under the the failure category of of Bob Quinn. Doesn't mean he's a bad drafter. Doesn't mean that you know he's he, he doesn't know how to draft in the middle rounds. No, it doesn't mean any of that stuff. It was, it was just one miss. I don't know. Like you tell me, hey, my, uh, hey, Bob Quinn missed. Like there's a lot to blame on Bob Quinn, but I'm like, hey, Bob Quinn missed on a fourth round tight end out of a school in the MAC. I'm just going to kind of, that's, that's not high on my tally right now, I think is if we're talking about Bob Quinn's status with his organization and with the fans. It's, it's a piece of it, but it's not something that I'm going to bring up when I'm rapid firing down all of the sins of Bob Quinn. Well, here's one thing to think about. Does Bob Quinn have an issue with tight ends? Does he have an issue with scouting tight ends? Because obviously last year's free agency was a disaster. Um, maybe, maybe that has more to do with just the, the selection that was there in free agency and, and maybe the, the failed attempts to, to trade for Gronk and whatever the lines maybe else tried to do. But obviously, um, the, like you said, the, the decision to let Ebron go, um, the, the drafting of, of Michael Roberts. Does that at all waver your faith in, in maybe his selection of TJ Hawkinson and, and maybe Jesse James? Um, because obviously tight end means a lot to this team right now, but they haven't gotten it together and they've made a lot of mistakes in the past. Does that have you guys at all any worried of, of this new tight end core who, you know, they're, they're being propped up as pretty good and, and they've played pretty well in, in training camp or in OTAs, but um, obviously no, no results on the field yet. I mean, that's that's kind of I, I would be more worried about TJ Hawkinson if it wasn't for the fact that he was so well regarded coming out of the draft. That said, though, like, I think a lot of that's just going to be on like, OK, remind me again real quick, because I'm struggling to make my Google machine work. Michael Roberts was drafted for. Uh, I'm, I'm doing the math in my head. Yeah, he would have been drafted under Caldwell, right? So, yes. I mean, this kind of stuff always smacks of, hey, oh, a new coach is in. Oh, hey, this guy doesn't fit what I need to do to a T. So I'm just going to just, you know, he didn't do too hot as he was growing with Caldwell. Uh, you know, I mean, that that's, a new coach comes in and he's thrown to the sidelines. We see that's that's a tale as old as time. 
and that's in a the fair NFL. point too. That's yeah. a fair point. Whereas Hawkinson, with, yeah, with Roberts, just really quickly, Roberts isn't the two-way guy that they want. Isn't the guy right. that can block right. very yeah. well. He's he's the hands he, guy. And if the Lions want to go, yes, the big hands guy. If the Lions want to go twelve personnel, they want two guys out there that can both block and receive. Roberts can't block, so he's he's not a great fit with the new uh, offensive coordinator. Which was surprising too, because I remember him at Toledo. Like he was big enough, he could block, but just yeah. I don't know. E- either way, like yeah, Hawkinson is the guy of this current regime, or so you would hope. Yep. So <laughs> I think it puts a damper in, but like yeah, I mean track record wise, like I think this is. I mean already, I think we're starting to hit make or break era era area. Excuse me for Bob Quinn. I think we are given kind of how up and down some of these draft picks have been. And I would like to hope to see quite a bit coming out here from Hawkinson and from James. And, but again, once again, we have to kind of wait and see for the season. Jeremy, I am going to say that Bob Quinn has a tight end problem. Yeah. And I I think the only, the only thing he's gotten right at tight end was Darren Fells. And that's a guy who probably should have stuck around for a little bit longer than he did. Yeah. Um, he, you know, caught the ball in some situations, was a good blocker, uh, a great blocker too. So I think that he would even fit well in with this team. He would be, he'd be like the perfect guy. Like you talk about the lions, you know, potentially bringing in another camp body. He'd be a guy who I think would just like make the team like the veteran depth that could also play out there. Cause they might mess around and they might have some formations where they have three tight ends in. Yeah. Like that wouldn't, that wouldn't shock me at all. But when, when I think back to what Bob Quinn has done so far at the tight end position, none of it has been good. Yeah. Except for Darren Fells. I mean, do we remember Andrew Corliss? <laughs> yeah. That was another weird, oh, wrong decision. Um, I, I would argue maybe Levine Toilolo was okay last year. Certainly not yeah. tight end one, but setting the world on fire. So, so are you saying then you are concerned with, with maybe this tight end? Like maybe you're not buying into this tight end crew as much as other people are? Well, I think that I am where Chris is in the sense that Hawkinson not only needs to be good, he needs to be great. First year? Um, he needs, he to, needs be, to have promise. He needs me, to show promise out there. He he needs to be Actually, great. You know what? No, I, I, I am going to go good. I, I'm sorry to keep jumping over you, Ryan, but like I think you spent a top, top of the round, first round pick on him. He does have to be good out of the gate. He needs to be great at what they ask him to do. Now, if they ask too much of him, then I I would have that fall on the shoulders of the coaching staff. But he needs to be great at what they ask him to do because, like Chris said, the the, the draft capital that they invested in this guy, drafting a guy at eight like that is a huge commitment. And Top I think, pick. yeah, I th- I think that he needs to come out of the gate and he needs to be great at what they ask of him. If they ask him to do too much, then that's a and that's a coaching staff problem. If if I'm concerned about one of the tight ends, it's actually Jesse James for me because I mean that you was love almost Jesse James. You love Jesse James. Me? Yeah, you. You what? Love James. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what makes you think that, but okay. Uh, I, I mean that's that was a very heavy investment too. A lot of people thought he got overpaid a little bit, and um, you know the lines were kind of in a desperate situation where there wasn't a lot of good tight ends in free agency, and they obviously needed at least one, so they went out and got him, but. Um, like I've said, we've seen Bob Quinn go all in on tight ends before and it hasn't worked out or at least try. And it's clear he didn't want to make the mistakes that he made in the years past in terms of not getting the top guys out there. But 
are are they trying too hard? Yes, I think I I 100% agree. And here's here's the thing: it seems really reactionary, right? Because not only did Bob Quinn decide to cut ties with Eric Ebron, but what he did to say that he tried to fix the situation last year is really like being kind to Bob Quinn. He put a bandaid on a, an open artery. Yeah, but then and like, I mean, he might have opened that artery to begin with. And and yeah, like he deserves some of that blame, I think. And then the pendulum has swung the entire other way completely. I agree with you, Jeremy. He spent a lot of money to get Jesse James. He probably overpaid for him. And he went out and drafted a tight end at number eight overall. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how you can spend more resources in an offseason on a position like tight end, but obviously it's a huge need in this offense for Daryl Bevel. And it's something that they needed to fix, but they have spent an awful lot of their resources in building that position back up. So that's why, that's why I say like they need to be great because they went out and they spent money and they invested a, uh, you know, a top draft pick and a tight end. Yeah. And they're, and they're clearly not willing to wait on a Toledo fourth round pick from two years ago, develop They're They, they want success now. So um, I, I think it has a chance of paying off, but it's just kind of interesting to see all of this culminate in, in Michael Roberts being the odd man out. All right, let's take a quick break here. Uh, I want to get to Wayback Machine. I want to leave a lot of time this week for Mailbag because after a very uh, light showing last time around, we now suddenly have more than enough stuff, including an overflow that Jeremy will explain when we get there. But first, we're going to jump in the Wayback Machine, take you back to Green Bay. Are we finally into October? We're we're in we're in trouble again because once again we've started Wayback Machine too late in the off season. So we're we're trying to figure out how to do this uh looking at this for the coming months. Like I'm sure Jeremy Jeremy made the great point that is like we're going to tap out here pretty soon because we're about to start hitting some really depressing uh stretches for Lions way back, but for now we're going to talk about Green Bay. So Take a quick break. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Wayback Machine time here on the Pride of Detroit PODcast. 
sorry, I've got I've got like some hair in my throat, so it's uh I, I don't know. Let's see. Let me try. Yeah, no, it's not working. Well, somehow we're here in Green Bay in October. Nope. Detroit. In Detroit. In Detroit. It's the Green Bay game in Detroit. Let's yes. try that again. I can barely like this is tickling in my back of my throat. Do you do you ever guys ever get that? You just have like a stray hair in the back of your throat and it just won't go away. Yeah. Every now and then. I'm human. Dog hair before. Dog hair? Yeah, yeah. You kissing your dog in the mouth? Yeah, dude. All the time. Got a problem. Lions thirty one. Packers. Don't shame me. Packers twenty three. In a portend to what I feel like was maybe problems with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. This was more doom for the Packers, I feel like, than it was any kind of noteworthy for the Lions. So it's great the Lions beat the Packers, don't get me wrong. But it's also becoming a little more frequent now to get the Packers out of Lambeau and suddenly they're vulnerable, especially coming into Ford Field. And... And I mean, the Packers did end up becoming the story so much. I know we talked about them on this podcast quite a bit because we like a little Packer schadenfreude. Well, but, I mean, this, this this resulted in a very special podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Do you remember why? No. Ryan? Audible Dong. Yes, That's sir. right. Okay. Thank you for jogging. See, uh, memory of Audible Dong can be a little weird because like, I, I keep forgetting, was that the Packers game first? Or was the Bears game first? And you're no. right. It was the Packers game first that we did have Audible Dong coming up as <laughs> the infamous Mason Crosby. Mason freaking Crosby missing four field goals and, and an extra, extra point. point. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Uh, I had so much fun rewatching this game. The Lions were up 24 nothing at halftime. Everything seemed to be going in their favor for once outside of very early in this game where there was a big touchdown to Kenny Galladay that was called back to a, with a with a horrible penalty. But like two plays later, there was that punt that glanced off the Packers guy or may have gone off a Lions guy. The Lions got it and then just like hammered it home. Like how many times last year or I should say in 2017 were we concerned about the Lions not converting in the red zone or not converting on short yardage plays? All of that had been healed for one week. Lines were, were scoring touchdowns, not settling for field goal. LeGarrette Blunt, I think, converted two third and ones in this game, had two goal line touchdowns as well. His, his average yards per carry is horrible, but it, it always was this year. But everything seemed to be going right in this game, and at least offensively. And again, I think, I think we were teased a little bit. Like you, you think about the Patriots game, looked pretty good on their home turf. They go to Dallas, almost steal win. Then they come back and, and, and beat the Packers fairly convincingly. I know it's only an eight point victory at the end, but that's due to a very late field goal. The, the one field goal that Mason Crosby made was basically a meaningless one with 10 seconds left. Uh, I, I think this is a point in the off season where we're in the, in the middle of the season where we're like, maybe there's a chance they turn this around two and three. They're not nah. that far behind everybody. There's a chance. Was <laughs> I don't think I was. I, I'd have to go back and listen to myself. I don't think I was buying in just yet. Just given, like, again, 
Let, Wait till next the... week. Wait till next oh, week because everyone was buying in. Everyone oh, yeah. was buying we, in. We were drinking Kool Aid. We were drinking Kool Aid then for beating the freaking Dolphins on the road, dude. That's not a gr- easy place to win, all right? The Dolphins. The Patriots lost there. Mm. Yeah, Brock, the Patriots. The, Bear, the Bears the lost there. Brock Osweiler. The, Patri- uh, the well, Patriots lost. Okay, yeah. Let's <laughs> yeah, talk about yeah, the Patriots yeah. lost. Okay, for a second. Hey, I like I, how Jeremy just like the stuff. I can that slide that one by Chris without him knowing what what happened in that game. Um, the thing about this Packers game is that I still had a feeling, even at halftime, with the Lions up twenty-four to nothing, that there was going to be a way that Aaron Rodgers was going to win this game, oh, and they sure. did almost pull it off. Sort of, yeah. you know. Like, I mean, they would have won this game Third if not quarter. for Mason Crosby. Mason Crosby. 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 Okay. We're we're gonna me all the time about mistakes. The the the, the Crosberries taste like Crosberries. Um <laughs> but another thing about this game was you know, Kenny Galladay had a really good game, had that mm-hmm. touchdown that was taken back, but had that really long uh that really the long reception. Arm. The mm-hmm. stiff arm too, yeah. Yep, the sixty yard completion that he got. But that was even overshadowed by the game that Devontae Adams had mm-hmm. where, I w- where I said that guy is maybe one of the top three wide receivers in the, fo- in, in the National Football League. Nine catches, 140 yards, a touchdown. He, uh, he was catching everything. And he was, I mean, he was really the only guy that they had on the team at that point in terms of receivers. I mean, they had uh, St. Brown. Yeah, uh, a bunch they, of rookies. Yeah, a bunch of rookies at that point and Jimmy Graham. So. Yep. Uh, yeah, it was, it was impressive. And, but what was, I, th- I think maybe the most impressive thing that Lions defense was able to do though, is I feel like they did a pretty good job against the run. Yeah. Like, for the, and, and you look at the stats and it might not look like it, but towards the end of the game, they ran a lot of draw plays when the Lions were playing prevent defense. Yep. And they picked up big yards on those, on, on those plays. So, yep. uh, it was encouraging cause this isn't, this is pre snacks era. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, and just to go back on the Devontae Adams thing, like this is when I think a lot of the Darius Slay doubts started to creep in. Mm-hmm. Um, this was an awful game for by him. Like there, there's no beating around the bush. He had a 37.2 PFF grading. Uh, his his run defense was even worse than his coverage game, which was rough. Um, and you know he was kind of going in and out of injury in this game. The Lions really had to shuffle their cornerbacks a lot in this game. Tease Tabor got a handful of playing time. Um, Craven LeBlanc, who you may remember, eventually started playing for the Eagles later in the season, got a bunch of playing time. And this is also the game that Jamal Agnew got injured. Um, so they they were playing around with with their nickel corner a, a lot in this game. So um, and and you really saw the defense start to break down there in the second half with with Aaron Rodgers totaling 442 yards in this game. They they win the fourth the third quarter fourteen to nothing and and just like you said, you, you felt it. You felt the the building getting more tense as as this game went on as it got a little bit closer and everyone's just thinking hail mary game all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the Lions had two really big fourth quarter plays that kind of put this one away. The first is is the touchdown and then the second um, and I think I I kind of drooled all over this play when it happened uh, last year. There was a third and 11 with about four minutes left. The Lions could have forced the Packers to use their last time out by doing a run play, which is what I think everyone in the building was expected, uh, was expecting. Instead, they run a slant to Golden Tate, pick up the first down, and are basically able to, to run the rest of the clock. And, you know, it would have had to be some, something beyond what we've seen Aaron Rodgers do in terms oh. of miracles to win that game. <laughs> 
I'm gonna say they would need a Hail Mary. Stop. They would have need, needed <laughs> two, essentially. Well, actually, well, they would they would have no, needed one. They would have needed an onside kick re- recovery and in a Hail mm-hmm, Mary, which could have happened. <laughs> Shut up. Um, yeah, interesting game from Marvin Jones too. Right, one catch, mm-hmm. a touchdown. <laughs> Um, and like but, three offensive pass interference penalties in this game. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that that sticks out to me too. And correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't didn't Carry On Johnson get hurt in this game? He did. Yep, late in the game. Um, I do remember that. Yeah. And you have to wonder if that could have affected the Lions' ability to run the, run out the clock a little bit because they had to rely on Legarrette Blunt and Theo Riddick, who combined for 25 yards on 15 carries, so just over two yards per carry. Yeah, I guess in LeGarrette Blunt's defense, he did have those two goal line touchdowns that he scored that you mentioned earlier. So, I mean, yeah. you can't run for any more than one yard on that play. Right. Still, I mean, take those two plays away. That's 10 carries for 20 yards. Not great. Yep. Not great at all, Bob. So what, what, what did this game mean in the long term? Because, again... I think as Jeremy pointed out, we we are starting to roil up towards the Dolphins game, everyone getting back on board, the Lions. It's, it's always a good feel to beat up on the Packers, especially when they look as bad as they do in the first half. But, you know, what what, what did we learn? What did we learn? Uh, I honestly, I, I think that we kind of learned more about the Packers than we learned about the Lions in this game. And I think this is... <laughs> This is a game that the Packers probably should have won. I know Jeremy says that the Lions, it, yeah, it, they did outplay them completely in the first half, and then they made some big plays down the stretch, like you mentioned that Golden Tate catch in order to you know, drain out most of the clock. But I think that this loss for the Packers, this might have been like the, the nail in the coffin for the Mike McCarthy era. Era and I, I, I don't think that's really hyperbole. I mean, the Arizona Cardinals loss that they had later on in the season was probably the the final nail in the coffin, but you're two two and one. You just lost to a Lions team that you pretty much outplayed, and it was just your kicker. But I, they had a difficult schedule coming up ahead of them. Like this is a game that they needed to win, and they needed to exercise some demons from not being able to to beat the Lions in in, in recent history in the past couple of years. So I don't know. I, I think that this game was just more illustrative of like how dysfunctional and how much trouble the Packers were in. Versus, I think, things that I kind of glean from the Lions. Yeah, and, and I think offensively speaking, especially this showed that the Packers were in trouble. They, they didn't have a lot of wide receiver depth. Granted, Aaron Rodgers was still probably hobbling a little bit from that week one injury he suffered against the Bears. But, I mean, they got skunked in the first half. And, and you can say, you know, well, Mason Crosby missed these field goals, missed these field goals, whatever. Um, is, is 24 to 6 really that sound that much better at halftime? Is that really really. an acceptable score for a team that has Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback? No, it's not. And so, uh, yeah, this was definitely a game that I think exposed the Packers for for not being the team that they were. But on on the Lions side, I mean, I don't know. I think this was a really efficient game offensively for them. They didn't have the ball a lot in this game because, um, you know, they they scored a lot and, and the Packers. The the one interesting thing about this game, and I actually went back and listened to our podcast a little bit on it, to, to kind of jog my memory, the Packers didn't punt in this game. Despite the fact that they scored zero points in the first half, they did not punt. Part of that was a couple turnovers, one by Deshaun Hand, one by, I want to say it was Devon Kennard who got the fumble recovery and Aquara who had the, the strip sack. Um, 
part of it's obviously the missed field goals. Um, but they were able to drive at least a little bit in, in just about every drive this game. So um, the defense was still struggling at this point in the year. They, they just, they were op- opportunistic, like, like the offense was in this game. I think that's, that's the name of the game for the Lions in, in this game is they were opportunistic. And that's something that we don't see later in the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, what, is, what are your thoughts for this game? Like, what, what did you feel like this was overall? Well, I think what Jeremy just said, I, I completely forgot about that little tidbit about the Packers not punting in this game. So I think that that's maybe why I had the sense throughout the game where it seemed like, yeah, the Lions have a handle on things on the scoreboard, but on the field, it looks like the Packers are just not converting things. Audible dong, you know what I mean? So <laughs> uh, as far as what the Lions maybe got the rest of the season, I think that this was another game, though, in which they were slowly starting to cultivate this identity that they want to carry on, right? Matthew Stafford was 14 of 26. Yep. Barely you know, ball. primarily they wanted to run the football and, uh, run the I, dead I th- ball. Yep. I, I think that going forward, it wouldn't be shocking to, to see a lot of box scores where Matthew Stafford throws the ball less than 30 times. All right. Well, we bandied around enough. Let's talk about the big part of this game. Let's talk about Audible Dong some more. Truly, I don't know how I put that phrase out there. I don't know why I did it, but I knew immediately once I let those words out of my mouth that somebody was going to react to it. And I think it was Jeremy. I I couldn't let it slide. It was so perfect. And I think only... Either one or two of his four misses hit, hit the uprights, but it does make a very audible dong noise <laughs> when, when you do listen to it on the broadcast. And it's just like, it's so deep and bassy that like... It resonates. It does it resonates. It's, it's a very resonating dong. <laughs> we are five. We are five. Maybe six. I don't know. But... uh. Yeah. But what was it? What was it about the season uh, eventually, and people just like really struggling to get a, a a field goal against the Lions? I just, I, it's a great mystery. I haven't been able to solve for a while now. Best field goal post in the league, baby. For a while, <laughs> I I really thought that they might just be like turning up the AC because like some of those would miss re- like really really bad. And the interesting thing about it is that uh, Prater missed a. I think it was like a 56 yarder and he was like, he, he almost kicked it out of bounds. That's how <laughs> wide it was. So I'm like, maybe they just left the AC on for his two. Yeah. Hard to tell. We'll definitely revisit it. Cause like, when we get to the bears, if we get to the bears, uh, as I said, this is starting to get long in the tooth and we also have to start doing list casts coming up too. So we have a lot to do this off season when it comes to our usual, usual content and speaking of usual content we're gonna hop out of that wayback machine go right to mailbag so stick around pride detroit podcast coming back in a couple minutes less than a minute less than a minute what am i saying
Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Mail time. Hashtag ask POD. As always, get your questions in. I am really distracted right now. I apologize for that. Just taking care of some uh, real life stuff, but let's see what we've got here in the mailbag. By the way, Jeremy, you want to explain what we're doing with, uh, we get a lot of questions. I feel like we either a don't touch on or B like mailbag can be feast or famine sometimes. And when it's famine, we have to start relying on questions to carry us like five minutes at a time. And when it's feast, we just kind of slam through these as much as we can. And they still take up a lot of time. But I think there's been a consistent theme in that we, when people, there, there's, there's a bunch of questions we do get that are kind of more, I feel like, when I throw these to you on the fly, they're not really questions for a mailbag, right? Yeah. Like, like a mailbag on the POD cast. Like, I, I, I know we've got something about like vested veterans or something, and that's way too much Googling to be asked of us right now. Yeah, and I mean, I think just in general, there's some things that are better in, you know, this format where we're talking, we're, we're having a discussion, and then there's some things that I might just be better describing on on piece of paper or whatever. So basically what we're going to do is if you have a question, whether you want it answered by us or by me personally in an article, throw it all in, ask POD, and we're going to split them up. So things it's that we decide are, are more appropriate for this kind of discussion, so maybe sometimes a little more fun um, questions we'll answer here. Everything that's not covered, I'm going to try to cover in a weekly post, usually probably midweek. So Tuesday, Wednesday over at PrideofDetroit.com. It's it's blogging versus sports talk, which is like the general, like the groundwork of where Jeremy and I fight all the time, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. It's, and and just to be clear, like I'm going to answer some fun ones on the article, too. It's just the ones oh yeah. that we don't get to. We can't we can't really get to everything here. So yep. but I will start on a on a interesting question here from tom foolery 27 who asks us why has nothing besides basketball developed a summer league uh we are now staring down the dog days of summer with nothing but women's world cup soccer to save us from yet another baseball filled doldrum of summer that's only once every four years and almost nothing for the rest of the time why isn't there a summer hockey league played on roller rinks i don't know where this came like i i know this is kind of lost on us doing a football podcast i'm not sure where this aversion to talking about baseball has just completely come up because um, I see it. I, you know, I, I work national with Fox sports radio now too. And I, I see it all the time. The only time we talk about baseball is always a question of bandied around by older, by older hosts is what's wrong with baseball, but no one ever talks about the action of baseball itself. And again, this is a football podcast. Football people have always seemed to have a explicit hatred for baseball and right now for a local show like ours for Detroit, I think the Tigers being complete trash doesn't help matters either. Yeah, I mean, I just I'm sorry. I I can't get excited about a baseball game. Part of it is that games are played at one o'clock during the week. People aren't watching sports then. Uh yeah, so it, it's what? hard for people to get excited about that. It's hard for get people to get excited about game one out of one sixty two. And and personally I just don't find baseball that exciting to watch. So yeah, well, I, I do that's I why. Will, I do find baseball exciting to watch. It's just that a, I think it's just consumed differently. Like for one, it's not a TV. It doesn't translate as well to being a TV product. I feel like. Sure. And I think it was a lot stronger back in the day when economic status was a little more assured for a lot of people. And you could get off on a Wednesday night, grab your coworkers for a 7 PM pitch downtown, 
to watch the Tigers, like $10 for a ticket, $1 at Tiger Stadium. If you get one of those seats, they can't fold out because of the, because of the uh, pole in front of it, (laughs) the old Tiger Stadium. (laughs) And like, you know, you get a hot dog and beer for like the whole crew for like, you know, for the whole crew for like $20 total for everyone. That's gone now. Baseball tickets are a lot more expensive. Like I've got bought two beers, one for me and one for Ryan. Last time we went to Comerica and I was out 20 bucks immediately. It's you can't just consume and go to baseball games like you used to. And I think, I think that's part of the problem. And then, yeah, too, like because there's so many games and nobody is selling big stars anymore that are must watch. It's kind of converted to being completely local. And if your local team's not doing something for a local show, then yeah, it's dead for you. What can I say? But I mean, going back to the original question, is there another league that you can throw? I mean, I don't know. I don't know that this, that people are ready to accept another league in, in any of the other, other sports. I mean, you'd, you'd love for NBA summer league to maybe to take some of that. And, and it does to a very small extent, but people don't like amateurs. They don't like when there's a better product that they just have to wait around for. I think they'll they'll just wait around for the better product. That's what has me kind of concerned about the winter Olympics. And now that, you know, uh, the hockey teams are no longer using professional athletes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 No, it's just going to make it definitely makes it less compelling. Unless you're in the middle of the cold war. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) I mean, even then, that was more like a, a sorry mistake that happened because U.S. U.S. hockey was not sinking resources into into that at all. Yeah. Uh, I I I gotta wonder too, as far as summer just being a period that just seems to really struggle with getting a sport out there, and I wonder how much that's going to change just by the general nature of our planet. I know, like I cover, I, I one of my favorite things is to read about Japan, like politics, lifestyle, uh, economics, all that kind of stuff. And one of their big things is like they're cutting down on heavily on athletic days for their high school in the summer because it's getting so damn hot in the summer that it could have adverse effect on, on kids' health. So, I mean, that eventually in our world, that'll be a start being a problem. Eventually in that world, like, I mean, we, you could watch CFL right now if you want. Is anyone going to do that? Anyone here? Like, I think that's Jeremy's point. Yeah, not yeah. Ex- well, we're gonna have to keep fighting on this. But I mean, to that point, like, I remember doing one of those games in August in uh, San Diego when the Lions opened there, and like that that surface was so damn hot that we had guys who had like you know astroturf, fake rubber, like you know melting on their shoes or something. Like, I I don't I don't think anyone could get a summer league for football in July. I don't think that's going to be a thing. And I don't, I mean, I don't think I want to watch hockey in July either. As it is, I think the Stanley Cup playoffs veer way too much into summer for what is ostensibly supposed to be a winter sport. I'd be fine with a 15 game series in playoff for hockey because playoff hockey is the best. Um, I think especially too, I mean, we just have to kind of consider our location and I know Chris talked about local, but you think about the Midwest, we've been cooped up inside for so long that unless the product is, you know, extraordinary, which the Tigers have been in the past, and 
there's been people, you know, going down to Comerica, but if you go down there now, it, it's pretty dead just because of the product that's on the field. But I, I, remember, I, I like, think, I think you spend, you know, here in Michigan, you spend your entire, you know, you spend like six months of the year just cooped up inside when, yeah. when mother nature gives us even an opportunity to be outside. I think that people are going to take that up. And that's, it even goes back to Chris's original point. Like for me personally, consuming baseball is so much, it's so much better when I'm listening to it on a radio. Or you're so, there physically, yeah. Like, because there, you're usually if you're going to a baseball game, you're there with friends, right? I mean, it's we, that's always how baseball sold itself. It's a pastime that we don't talk about as a sport. We talk about it as a pastime, right? Traditionally, and that just mm-hmm. means like it's a gathering place for like you know you talk with your friends, you're enjoying a game. Maybe you're not focused on it the whole time, but it's it's a gathering spot. It's it's a social commu- uh, collective activity. Sure. And it it is a very, I, I think, I think it is just like a very passive sport to consume as well. And I mean, I'm yeah. sure I'm, I'm sure I'm pissing off a lot of people who are big baseball fans. Sorry, Kyle Yost. It, it, well, I, like, I, I think the thing with me too, though, is that like baseball, like every play, there's something that happens and it can be recorded and it's like, Oh, okay. I know what a double is. Like the guy got two bases and he's now on second base or yeah. Okay. You hit a home run. Like that's, but like for a football game, like you don't want to miss like, oh, Kenny Galladay had a 60 yard catch against the Packers. Oh, yeah. But on the play, he stiff armed somebody into oblivion <laughs> like that can't be communicated via, you know. Well, I mean, I mean, our box scores don't really communicate that either. But like, yeah, if there's a pop fly out. But what if there's like, you know, some kid flashing leather out there? But again, I think it just comes back to the fact that, I mean, to your point, like five years ago, Ryan, we were all talking about Tigers baseball. Maybe not as much on this podcast, but like, I, yeah, like they were insanely good. And it's, it's a really huge bummer when you go from the, that kind of riches with a pitching staff to what we have now, which is not good, not good at all. That's just but, true. It's just true of every sport though, right, Chris? Yeah, like, it, is. If, if, it is. If the product is good, people will come. and. You know, I don't understand why like Pistons fans got so upset because they finally reached a level level of me- mediocrity that allowed them to slip into the eight. <laughs> like, well, I don't know why people aren't coming downtown to watch the games because their team isn't good. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm sorry, Blake Griffin like is cool, but everyone else on that roster does not move the needle for me. And Andre happened. Drummond, do- um, Andre Drummond does not have the same flair he used to. Yeah, yeah, and it, ha- it happens with the Lions season. Jeremy, you yeah. know this. When when the Lions lose, what happens to the people who visit Pride of Detroit? They don't. <laughs> they don't, or they're angry. Right, right. So, yeah. I said I would be answering a lot more questions here because we've got a lot, and we just spent like seven minutes on that. So let's see what else we can get here before we just – completely lose ourselves uh let me go back we had some before i always appreciate y'all if you get questions in uh before we even make the call for questions and i want to try to read those i'm just scrolling back right now to make sure let's get this one from coon observations who slagged me off a while back but you know what it's under the bridge now uh coon observations asks us you have to recast you have to recast super troopers with detroit lions which player gets which role you suggest that Glasgow was Farva. I'm not sure I agree with that. <laughs> Just well, Glasgow's got the the mustache to really be anybody. Yeah, this is the problem, right? We need to figure out mustaches. <laughs> this is also the problem is that I don't know anyone's actual name in that movie except for Farva. Do you, Ryan? 
No, I don't. It's been a long time since I've seen Super Troopers, to be honest. Wow. Let's just let's just name players that that would fit on that cast. Play people that are goofy. Glasgow would look good in a mustache. Mind. Yeah, Gla- Glasgow is perfect for this movie. One hundred percent perfect. Mm-hmm. We got to like. I, I want to see Quandre Diggs with a mustache too. Like just, just a big bushy mustache, not whatever <laughs> facial hair he's got going on. I feel like he would be pretty good. They have to have like big personality. I feel like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's not the easiest to come by. So Darius Slay on there too. Maybe I think snacks would be good on there. Yeah. All right. Let's see what else. Snacks we got? would be this... the, snacks would be the hard ass cop though. Like he, Listen, he was, this... He would yeah. he would give everyone a ticket and like someone's trying to cry their way out of a ticket like he just like stick it he like spit on the back of the ticket put it on the windshield and walk away. <laughs> Jeez. All right, we spent this this went bad. So let's get on to another question here. Shamu S two D two has a question for Jeremy. Okay. Once you gained media access on the daily beat level, did you view did your view on any players slash and or the team? change i have to imagine you gave new perspective on how everything operates being that close on a regular basis that's a really good question uh i would say i'm not gonna put out any individuals the, the one thing that i will say is that you realize very quickly that a lot of these players are reading what you're saying about them um i remember one player in particular calling out one very specific uh author in the locker room and it, he was he was joking about it, but at the same time, it, it clicks there like, oh, they're reading this. And I know Glover Quinn has specifically said like, oh, yeah, I'm on Bleacher Report all the time. And so uh, that snapped into place really quickly. And it kind of made me be a little more self-aware of what I'm saying and how I'm saying it. So I have no problems criticizing a player or what, you know, or how they played or anything like that. But now I've, I'm a little more cognizant of how I say it. So instead of saying like, you know, Darius Slay couldn't cover, you know, couldn't cover anybody or, you know, throwing some sort of insult into into analysis of someone. I can just be like, Darius Slay struggled. There's no doubt about it. Darius Slay had a rough game. And so I, I think just being a little more, uh, I don't know, just a l- less insulting and more um, understanding. Analysis. Yeah, well, it's not just understanding, just talking more from an analytical sport point of view than than emotional and getting personal about some of these players because I, I feel like maybe sometimes we're all guilty of that saying like oh my god kenny galladay shouldn't i mean no one would ever say this he's literally the first name in front of my face it's just like saying kenny galladay doesn't belong in this game dude can't catch a ball for his life you know things I'm, like that gonna, right which is like 90 percent of twitter yeah i i will say though like as someone being in radio like that's that's not to discredit anyone who does rip people on there because the guys who i know who do rip and then end up going into locker room like you just have to own what you say like it's not i mean jeremy's approach isn't for everyone but like if you are i will say if you are going to rip someone be ready to say it to their face and i i would say most people aren't who say most people sort of things absolutely let's take this question here from detroit lions guru uh, today, a few sources tweeted out the Jags find their linebacker $90,000 for not showing up to minicamp because we have yet to hear this from Detroit. Is it because we keep things hush-hush or because we choose not to find slay and snacks because we are making progress on their situation? Uh, I, don't read, think... I just read the other day about how much Darius Slay is out. Well, okay, so hold on. Let me, let me back this up a little bit. So yeah. the Jaguars, 
uh, find Telvin Smith because he missed mandatory minicamp. Telvin Smith said, I'm sitting out the season. So everyone knew this was coming. And the only real reason why it came to light is because Telvin Smith Instagrammed it out. Like he Instagrammed the notice out that he's getting fined. He's mm-hmm. pissed about it because he's like, I'm trying to better myself for a year and you guys are finding me. Um, that's the reason it got out. Now, I think, Ryan, what you're referring to is Dave throwing out the numbers. Like, this is how much he's liable to be fined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't believe there's been any news that they have been fined. And I think, in general, teams keep that hush-hush um, across the board. And we obviously know that the Lions are going to be the most hush-hushiest of the hush-hushers. So I, I think that's – this is the, – the Telvin Smith thing is just kind of a unique situation in which a player that is away from the game – is pissed because someone's going after his money. I'm not going to get into whether they should or shouldn't, but um, he, he takes it public, and that's why everyone knows about it. I, I have a slightly different take on this. Um, I'm not too familiar with the Telvin Smith situation or whether or not the Lions are going to find Slay and Snacks for missing tr- a minicamp, but when you're talking about two really big stars like that and you're hoping to maybe... If, if your goal is to get them to resolve a contract holdout, the last thing you're going to want to do is to be just vindicative on a very petty level. Defying Slay and Snacks right now is just to say, we're petty and we're pissed off that you're you're skipping out on camp and we're just going to be like, like, I know everyone loves to be the hard boss, but holy shit, if I ever got fined stepping away, if if I'm doing a contract, if I was in their shoes and I was stepped away and I'm like, I want you guys to give me a better deal because none of this money is guaranteed. And you come back and slap me and say, no, you're not at mandatory activities. That's $90,000 away from you. You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say, screw you. I'm going to say, I'm just going to double down on my anger and just say, screw, you've made it personal now. Now suddenly I'm mad and I'm saying, screw you. Why the hell should I resign with you? Like it's, it's, it's escalating. It's escalating a situation. It's absolutely escalating a situation that does not need to be escalated. It's picking a fight for no good reason. Right. You're right. And then that's also what makes it different than the Jaguar situation is they're not locked in, in a negotiation battle. Tom Smith is just not playing. Yeah, no. And plus, I mean, <laughs> Tom Coughlin, speaking of people who pick very petty fights, is almost the master of that kind of art. Yeah. A very small, shallow man. All right. Um, Ryan Dorenzi sends us this question. He's trying to find a framed Calvin jersey. Jersey rep says that he signs less than Michael Jordan. Uh, So it looks like he's got to get it myself because they are over $1,000. One, how do I get one from him? Two, any easy way to stay in tune with Lions events or signing events? Uh, Well... I don't think Calvin's coming to any Lions signing events anytime soon. I do know he sh- he did show up with the uh, Falcons, but that's, again, because he's very well invested in kind of the area of Atlanta, not because he's going to come back to the league with the Falcons or whatever conspiracy theory you want. Right. Uh, I mean... The best I can say about signing events is, I mean, most of the signing events are done by individuals, not by team. Um, unless you want to go to like a Taste of the Lions event, which would be a, a great opportunity to get signatures from Lions players that you like. Obviously, Calvin Johnson is not going to be one of those people for, for the foreseeable future, but um, the other way is to just follow the guys that you want in, uh, uh, autographs from on, on social media. 
Um, they they like to announce when they have things like that, and uh, that that's your best bet. Yeah, for Calvin Johnson himself, I don't really have much advice for you. I'm sorry. No, like, I mean uh, he hold. If you have a kid, he holds a kids camp every summer. I think it just happened. I mean, when all that Calvin Johnson news broke a couple weeks ago, it was at that camp. So if you have mm-hmm. a kid, that might be an in there. Otherwise, he's in Detroit a lot. He's in Atlanta a lot. Um, be in those places a lot and just look around for a really tall guy. I don't absolutely. know. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much all all we can really say at this point. Any advice the there, Jer? Uh, Ryan? No, none. Sorry. You know nothing about getting signatures, huh? Well, I do. I do know something about it just because when Ryan Matthews was playing for the Philadelphia Eagles, I was included in a Facebook group chat of a bunch of Ryan Matthews because somebody wanted an autograph. They said, which one of you are the real Ryan Matthews? And I said, well, me. Please stand up. I'm very real. I don't know if you want my autograph, though. All right. Let's see here. Uh, Let's get a question here from the comments. Uh, uh, Let's see here. Uh, I'm going to go to this one from Iowa Lion 72. He addresses this to the POD posters, but this is our mailbag for us. So posters butt out. What would make POD happier? One, seeing the Lions win the Super Bowl and proving them wrong about all their doomsday. You know what? Let's just make this all about Lions fans, I guess. One, seeing the Lions win the Super Bowl and proving them wrong about all their doomsday prophecies. Or two, seeing the Lions go 0-16, being proven right about the Lions, be ready to denounce whoever. This is why I need to screen this question. I'm, I've actually lost interest in this. Jeremy, you want to try to pick this one apart? I, I don't have it up. I'm, I don't, did you read the whole thing? Because <laughs> I don't understand yes. it from what you read. It's, uh, Would so I rather I, have the Lions win the Super Bowl or go 0-16? Is that the question? I think so. I, this is... Oh, no, which I, I've, one, been, I've been okay. explaining... So I've been trying to explain this dichotomy to people outside Lions fandom about these two camps. Like, and I, I've noticed people get tickled when I use the words SOL and Kool-Aid drinkers. But I feel like we have these two camp, distinct camps now. It's so hard to find any kind of middle ground because if you want to if you want to say hey there's some good positivity to this team you're you're called a slappy or if you want to do what i like to do sometimes and rip this team for very legitimate points but still remain a fan but still like i mean i'm i'm a i'm i'm someone who covers the team i'm someone who enjoys watching the team or talking about the team but i still think that you know part of part of what makes me who i am is i like to rip this team every now and then cuz it can get fun but it doesn't mean i'm not a fan it doesn't mean that I'm not like that. I'm rooting for this team to go. Oh, and 16. I think the only things I really root for is to be right. And then, yeah, like we get to a Super Bowl, like, you know, riot. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, I, I understand the question now. He's asking lions fans, you know, the stubborn yeah. lions fans, would they rather be wrong and the Lions win the Super Bowl, or would they rather Lions suck go and 16 and then be, they be no right. Con- I guess my problem is to, to my point though, is like, there's no consensus. Like we have these two very distinct camps almost yeah. in, equal numbers i think the sol crowd is a little bit larger but like i I think sometimes we push back against the sol crowd a bit too much sometimes because sometimes their fears about this team being garbage turns out to be right i wouldn't say to like a massive degree but i mean we're we're out of yin and yang right now i think i think the frustration of the sol fans at least in the off season is just like why why do you have to be so negative right now when n- no one knows what's going to happen? And and that's that's because we got to talk about something. 
We got to talk well, about. You can something. talk about it. So you can talk about things and be positive and be like, "Hey, this is well, why." Why I can't I also Hawaiian talk about things and be negative too? Well, like, you can, but like, if you're trying to be like, "Oh my god, I'm this team sucks," there's, there's, no, I'm I'm not calling you out specifically. Yeah. I'm just saying there's definitely a, a a portion of fans who are just like, "This team is horrible. They're never going to do anything." Why do you get people even watch this pathetic team? Those kind of people talking like that in this in the off season. That's that's obnoxious. No, I, but I think also after so many years of it that it is also fairly justified if they do want to talk about it. I'm, I'm about letting people be who they want to be. Yeah, well, no, that's, you are allowed to be who you are. When you're insulting everyone else and be like, you guys are pathetic for following this team. That's no, what no, I no, I like. I, I mean, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I think like if you're following this team, like, you know, you're allowed whatever. to be frustrated and, and not like the team and whatever. But, but I, if I you're trying to spread people... that, that negativity to other people and, and call people out for being, oh my God, you guys are just, you know, I know there are some people drinkers. out there that like, do no, it. Have, but like, just having fun in the off season, Jesus. But I think, I think though that the Kool Aid drinkers also push back a lot hard. I don't think there's actually that many SOL people who slag off other people for following it uh, on this team, unless there's like a massive escalation of these fights back and forth. It just more often than not, like it's just you know, an SOL is just more concerned with saying, "Man, Stafford's trash," stuff like that. So uh, I, I think I think there's an even amount on, other, on each side. To maybe, be honest, maybe, but I th- I think the slappies like man, everyone who co- who I see who has like a hashtag one pride uses a ton of those hashtags. Yeah, like they they go hard too, man. They, they absolutely, absolutely escalate situations too. Yes. Like yes. how dare you say that you don't think the Lions are going to win twelve games in right. 2019? How dare you? They're, yeah, both sides are equally obnoxious at times for sure. We both sides the Lions fandom. But I mean, I also don't think it's that unique to the Lions. No, it's absolutely not. It's, it's, it's there, but I think, I think we, I mean, we do a Lions podcast. We got to talk about that. And I think at least for us, we've codified it pretty well. I like this dichotomy we've come up with of Kool-Aid and SOL. Yeah. Any thoughts here, Ryan? What? I don't even know where we are anymore. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the right answer. And it's not because I'm not listening. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Um, I'm going to take one more question. We're way over time, but as I said, I want to get to a lot, a lot of these questions here because Jeremy's now pushing me, and I don't want to give too much away to him. I'm just kind of digging around to make sure I've got something screened properly. Uh, let's see which POD this is from CB Russ. I'm going to take his question. Uh, I'm going to take a couple of questions from him because once again, he gives us three. Um, one, he asks, I bought a new grill. Should I sell my stove? No, why would you? How are you going to make eggs without your stove? Is this like a man thing where it's like, I I'm just going to grill meat. I'm just going to grill. And I don't know, man. (laughs) You're really in on like destroying toxic masculinity with this podcast, huh? Uh, I mean, why could that possibly be? <laughs> why could that possibly be? Like, I mean, I've dropped enough hints out there of who I am. Like, why could that possibly be? <sighs> Second question he gives is uh, what sucks more, the city of, I'm going to have to censor this, Chicago or De Bears? I like the city of Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. Look, I, I know this is like Detroit feels jilted because Chicago's right over there and it is. But Chicago, I'm sorry, folks. It, it's nice. It's nice, especially, I mean, 
I, I wouldn't want to go there in the winter, but I wouldn't want to go anywhere cold in the winter. I don't think Detroit's beating it at all in the winter. It does not like Detroit has nicer winters, but I mean, you have the South Loop in the summer, jazz outside, man. It's it's nice. I like Chicago. Lollapalooza, yeah. Listen, like we, we own the Bears. We don't own Chicago. Let's let's let's, let's make a distinction. <laughs> yep. Hot dogs are overrated, but yeah. Oh, yeah. hey, I like Portillos. I I've never been impressed. Like even coming out here to LA, like people talk about pinks, and I'm just like, I don't care about hot dogs. Oh, boy, I'm I'm this bigger, is gonna on, I'm bigger on the quick. Italian sausage. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Pride Detroit POD cast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Our main theme was produced by Brian Shepard. You can find him on Twitter and on SoundCloud at I am Brian Shepard. I A M B R I A N S H E P A R D. Thanks a lot to him. Check out his stuff. He's been great. He gave us Victory Monday. So go check him out. That's I am Brian Shepard. And thank you for everyone who keeps listening and makes us one of the greatest Lions podcasts possible. Y'all are awesome. See you star side.